0: plushcare.com slash
1: The following program is presented by the Nerdy Show Podcast Network, geeky programming for all nerds across the multiverse. All Nerdy Show programming is made possible by a comic shop, Orlando's number one comic shop and nerd destination, and with the generous support of listeners like you. To learn how you can support this and other fine geek programming, visit nerdyshow.com.
2: Hello, we are... The Proto Man. And you are listening to
3: Nerdy Show.
1: Welcome to Nerdy Show, a weekly podcast dedicated to every facet of nerddom, from comics and video games to science and technology. If it's geeky, we've got it covered. Hi, I'm Cap. And I'm Tony. And I'm Doug. And this is a Lightning Dogs episode.
0: It
1: it is the second part of our Lightning Dogs concept finale of sorts. Lightning Dogs is an idea we came up with where we take all the greatest parts of late 80s, early 90s action figures and animation and turn it into a totally cool post-apocalyptic modern idea about anthropomorphic dogs. Fighting the evil mutant minions of Glampire in a battle on a destroyed earth. It's cool shit. Yeah, it's very exciting stuff that we invented accidentally during an episode. And we all liked it so much we kept talking about it even though that was not the topic at hand. And then you guys (laughs) liked it so much that you threw
0: cash money at us to keep talking about it. And this is the seventh episode. For the full rundown of everything Lightning Dogs. Just listen to last week's episode, because we spent a good, like, half an hour at the start of that, giving you the basic rundown. This time, I say we get right into the thick of things. I think we
1: should. Uh, We'll link to it on this episode's page, and of course, if you want to check out Lightning Dogs from the beginning, just go to lightningdogs.com, but the short version, if you're just tuning in, the reason that we're doing this, the reason we're, say, putting the word final attached to this, is that Lightning Dogs has grown so much so that um, us doing these Lightning Dogs episodes, we're building this world we've built so much of the world that now there's so much to explain every time we start it again yeah. so people
2: can
0: dive in. That it's practically an episode. It's a two-parter just so that we're, we can have a, a recap. Just, just a
2: brainstorm. We talk in shorthand and if you're just tuning in, you're going to know what the hell we're talking right. about. Right, and we want you to know what the hell we're talking yeah, about. We want we you do. to be
1: in here having Inclusive. a good time. Yeah. So that means we got to change up how we're doing Lightning Dogs. But we still want to have the Lightning Dogs experience be as it has been with us actually conceptualizing what we fully intend to be A future franchise of some sort here in front of you. This is actually, in the grand scheme of things, completely unprecedented. No one has ever developed a show like this before where the Genesis was actually recorded and the entire creative process was likewise actually recorded. Mm -hmm. As far as we know, no one's done this before. It's pretty unique. There's been maybe some things that are similar.
0: Yeah, like Tusk.
1: Right. Kevin Smith's Tusk is maybe the closest thing. Yeah. But Kevin Smith's script writing process did not
0: find its way onto every episode of Smodcast. No, it didn't. You just would every once in a while hear him go,
1: yeah, it's coming along. (laughs) That's maybe the closest comparison to this. But uh, in turn, Lightning Dogs, practically every conversation we've ever had has been recorded. So let's get back into the world of The Wasteland. Every time I think of The Wasteland, I think of um, the album art for Kansas's record Monolith. You guys probably aren't familiar with this because it's from 1979 and it doesn't have any of the songs that you know and love by Kansas on it at all. Carry on? Uh, no, no. no that, that's left over He just
2: said none of the stuff that you're familiar <laughs> yeah, unless with. Unless
1: you know People of the South Wind, Tony, which I don't, <laughs> I, I'm guessing you don't. All right, then carry on, my wayward son. <laughs> it's incredible album art. We'll link to where you can look at it. And unfortunately, I don't have a, an LP here, like a full record to show. Me, but I, I got the CD booklet. Uh, it's got this whole theme of Desert Wasteland. Okay. But it's populated by Native American peoples, but they're all wearing space helmets, implying that something's weird with the Earth's atmosphere. But here you can see all the towers of these these concrete pillars that were once the high rises of like a cloverleaf or like a highway system. Yeah. And there's ruins and there's pictographic graffiti painted all over everything. It's neat stuff. I think we can breathe a little bit of that into the wasteland.
0: We haven't done any paintings of the wasteland yet, any conceptual drawings, but I think it's all pretty well situated in our head. And that's Yeah, I mean one of the nice things about working in a post apocalyptic world like we are is all of us from the creative staff those who are still here working on it and it those who have helped contribute to it in the past are all so well versed in the apocalypse i mean we've been saturated with it we've all played fallout we've all watched mad max there's a shorthand that exists already for it a destroyed building some rubble the trick is how do you make it new and fun yeah put a dog on it <laughs> well, a little more than that A
2: little more than that we found out But it's, uh, it's coming along
1: We need to do the artwork we got to really express this visually And I think the ideas will come to us We have enough information about really, how we want to pursue this
0: To build it Because what I'm looking forward to From a conceptual standpoint And it's funny for me to say this Because I don't do landscapes I have only ever done really character work But I am really looking forward to exploring the idea Of this crystal-based technological world That has fallen into disrepair what has come along? What have the crystals done? Have the crystals continued to grow? Those that were left behind, be they artificial or otherwise, kind of creating this gem cave where the science centers used to be. It's going to be fun to explore. Yeah, like Doug it's going to be saying, largely
1: defined by the characters we create. Mm-hmm. The, the characters will influence the worlds that we create, and we we
0: have the opportunity to get very visual with it. Halloween decorations everywhere. Not quite Halloween town, but. <laughs> <laughs> No, I just uh, Halloween Jack. This is Halloween. This. Why does he? Why do I? Always why do you give him, a- give him? Yeah, you give him the, the craziest accent. No, he's not the craziest accent. He's just the same one every time.
2: It's crazy. It's it's the Dick Van Dyke yeah, accent. Yeah.
0: Come along, Mrs. Poppy. popping. Oh, it's the go- Lightning <laughs> Dogs. I don't like, know. It's just it springs to mind because it's dopey and it's just thinking, the right accent. I know. Of support no, I know
2: why. I know where it came from. Cap said, "Victorian street urchin."
0: A little bit, yeah, and that's the, it. Just evolved from there, and I mean, it does seem like a, ca- a perfect foil to Bowie. He's a is, it sweep he is? <laughs> like, you, you picture Bowie, and it's a very refined, deep, yeah, wonderful. It's the opposite, British. uneducated, uh, and yeah. then all of a sudden you got this guy who's there along with him, and you know, with somebody who's got You've mandibles, got to pick a pocket or two. You, know, you think about it. You <laughs> think about Think about it. Somebody with mandibles, not a proper upper lip. Wouldn't be able to form proper consonants. He might, here, a, he might have an upper lip. We don't, you know, it's a little... It's stiff. You get, yeah, it's a little stiff, yeah.
2: <laughs> Keep a stiff upper lip. Come on. You know, I don't, I don't think Tony's
1: initial accent is the right one, but he might be onto something with like... Uh, with a voice. Yeah. yeah.
2: I'll, t- I'll tell you this much that I'm sad to say I feel strongly about because this ultimately doesn't make much of a difference. <laughs> I don't think the dog should have accents. I don't think Pierre should have a French accent. I don't think Dingo should have an Australian accent. My reason is that if this became a show like we all dream to be, I don't want it compared to Road Rovers. Road Rovers already did that, and I always thought it was a little weird. But it made sense because there were dogs from different countries. Mm -hmm. These dogs all come from the same planet, and they all grew up speaking the same language, and it's all the same thing. Plus, if the show becomes what we want it to be, and it goes to other overseas, Mm -hmm. I don't want the German version to have a guy speaking German with an Australian accent just because he's copying what the Americans did. I feel like
0: if it's a team that you like... No matter where you came from, it's more relatable. Like no, you can, you know what I'm saying? Is, is that making any sense? No, it's. I'm fine with that. I will say there need to be some sort of dialect because I can't. And I can't I picture with Pierre without some kind of.
2: There can and, be. I mean, don't get me wrong. Like they, they can yeah, have the unique, thing, unique voices. Thing, I
0: mean, think about the first episode where we were picturing is him as this like cool shaft like character. Yeah, yeah. I just don't want him to. Say, like I don't that. ever no. want him to say, "Oh, Trebian." You know, it's like that's just completely uncalled no, for. I, unless it's yeah, Trebian, baby
2: that's don't the attitude's fine but Trey Bien like where the fuck does that come from the masters have been dead and then all we've been looking at is their no, technical
0: do you honestly think the
2: French built the farm <laughs> <laughs> of course not <laughs> but I totally get like the attitude oh, yeah. and like the character coming yeah. through and Yeah, that,
1: and I, d- I do really want some degree of, of dialect like, for my money Pierre was always in, in my head had some kind of like a creole like some no, like, like French like islander like a tinge kind of. like, yeah. but, but, but
2: I, like, don't, I don't want anyone to listen and go oh that's clearly like that's totally yeah, French like, cause, oh cause I get he's a French poodle they're not
1: meant to represent an international team no not at all yeah right yeah. so we don't want to reflect that in the least so we want they're going to have accents but like it's not going to be accents right that just their voices their characters going to be Marie.
2: i
0: am from france
2: right yeah if Let anything me punch you with ma foot if anything they're dialects yeah between you got brooklyn and bronx yeah the, the different no, and that's you know different voices
0: i never pictured them as having Thick, I am a caricature accent don't want Angela
2: to be like come on y'all you know like I don't just like actually just, that would be really entertaining no, I would love just, Angela as
0: a southern belle the,
2: the American colloquialism is like it's a too it's no, laid I on just, too just, thick
0: just, I didn't think about it until now but now I can't picture her as anything no, as no, no, bell. No, but a southern belle I no, mean because no. ultimately then we're inviting stereotypes into the, the show and it's not just, it's and not if okay.
2: anything characters like kid are smashing the stereotype that's the point is that mm-hmm. not only is it a girl but it's a mutt and humans have a way of they want to know where do we compartmentalize you like where, mm-hmm. where can i label you No, nah, it's that shorthand the dogs don't really give a shit because dogs can run as a pack like you, you can have a household with like 12 different dogs in it of all different species they don't care They're yeah running together so it's like in a way that's a little bit more positive
0: view of i don't know if it's factual in terms of dogs but i like the intent
2: no but i mean as far as the cartoon no, goes where
0: well, we're going the, as it, far as know. the cartoon and yeah i'm on board i like to set
1: up the plot for the core team a bit we've talked a lot about the new details the world and everything. But we need more details on the circumstances of the Lightning Dogs coming to Earth. The situation we've set up for them is, in simplest terms, Lightning Ooh. Dogs come to Earth on a mission that's both a recon mission and then maybe secretly also a rescue mission because mm-hmm. they were not the first team there. Yeah. It wasn't, yeah. The dogs who were turned into the Diamond Dogs, they were the first team. From and, home. and yeah. From home, and we don't know which members of the Lightning Dogs actually know about that at all. I mean, certainly... The military is not going to say, "You're a crack shot team of experts. Get on out
2: there and tell them not nothing what to do." Right, yeah, and yeah, not yeah. not tell
1: them there was another team. And yeah, it's like yeah,
0: they I'm didn't...
2: sure I'm sure at least Dingo and Angela know.
0: Yeah, and if not Pierre, at least like if mi- not, maybe, you know what, yeah. military people do yeah. know. I would even say one thing that I keep tying back to is this relationship between Dingo and Angela. Yeah, if I had to cast a vote, they're the only two who know. They're the only two that they trust. Pierre, they've got a history with, but he's somebody who well, they've worked with right. before, but is not part of their clique.
2: Let's not forget Nerissa is also military as well. She is, yeah. So it's, it's not a matter of military people know, civilians don't. But it's on a need-to-know basis. Also, we gotta remember, I don't, I don't want to get Dingo to be too friendly with Angela at the beginning, because his whole thing is that he's the loner. In fact, we were talking about the actual species of Dingo. They like to go alone. They're kind of the lone wolf sort of thing. So if Dingo's arc is the guy who Maybe, you know, for the sake of example, Dingo's the only one who does know the true mission. He doesn't tell Angela or Pierre. Then when the time comes, he has to spit it out. And they're like, okay, why didn't you just tell us that? You could have told us that we could have done this better. We may have succeeded if you'd have just told us that to begin with. And he's like, I, I don't know. I'm just, I I didn't know if I could trust you guys. And it's just like, not trust us. Like, what the hell's your problem? He has to learn to be a good leader and to trust his people. Get your people. tail
1: between your legs. Admittedly, for people being the ambassadors to the world from where all dog kind right. stems from, having someone who has a proclivity for something that drastic might not be real. That's,
2: yeah, it's just an example. But, right. like, I do think his arc does need to be becoming a better leader to leading the pack. Because when you're out there, you're stranded, you're alone. You know, if dogs don't have... There's, there is a hierarchy. In fact, one of the things, one of the tiny little bits of details I thought was if they were going to split up into teams, you have the three main military, Dingo, Angela, and Pierre, they'd be the Alpha team, and then you have the others would be Team Bravo. So when they're talking in code over the radio, it's like Alpha 1, that's Dingo, Alpha 2, that's Angela, Alpha 3, so on, and Bravo 1, Bravo 2, Bravo 3, those are like their call signs. To keep it militaristic, but also that they are working together, there is a chain of command, Mm -hmm. you know, but it has to go beyond just... This is a military chain of command. After a while, they become like a family, you know, stuck out there. Yeah. Much like how a Star Trek Next Generation started, where at first everyone's kind of, oh, Captain, whatever. By the end of that series, they were basically like a family.
1: Yeah. Taking back to the actual, like, layout of the story and the conflicts and all that jazz, the Lightning Dogs, they go out, they leave the facility, which would be a, a subterranean facility, and they are basically looking for answers. You know, they're doing recon. They put together some vehicles. They cobble something together. They head out, they assess the situation, they figure out exactly what the facility is, but in the end, they have to head out into the world. They're well aware of how the Farfetch technology works because they had to rebuild the Farfetch on their side of things. So Mm -hmm. maybe it needs like another crystal or something. So they're, yeah, in fact, it does. It's gotta be crystals because they basically track down some crystals to where Glampire's growing them. They need
0: more crystals to get back home and so on. So and they... They, they took too many from the field to actual, and that in the detonation, those crystals they took from the field.
2: Glampire's crystals that yeah. the, 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 lamp, the right. lightning dog
0: stole. Because they take them. Yeah, because yeah, they take them. Yeah. And then when the Farfetch detonates, those it Takes a good portion gone. of the crystals oh, sure. with them. Yeah. That way we, we create a scarcity, because otherwise all yeah. they need is the Farfetch, they've got the crystals, they're right. ready no, to go you're, No, you're right, you're right.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, and, and what needs to happen is, you know, they have the conflict with Glampire, they, they come back, and then they're, they're in a situation where Glampire realizes, uh, Glampire has already encountered the dogs before yeah. because of the diamond, the diamond dogs, dogs, but he doesn't know where they came from. He wasn't able to get it out of them. Before he encased their
0: mouths in crystal.
1: Which seems short-sighted, so it must have been something like, uh, maybe the
2: spiders just got to him first. Maybe he didn't even really interact with them or something. I don't know. It's, uh, so in other words, we're trying to solve the problem of if Glampire found the first team, why doesn't he just say, tell me where the Farfetch is, I'm going to go?
1: Right, and then also, also related to that, when Glampire encounters the second team and there's the conflict where they have to destroy the Farfetch, what does that mean for the Lightning Dogs and their perspective base of operations or anything? How does, right. like, does Glampire know where it is? Well, yeah,
2: okay, I, I'd actually thought about that. One of my answers for, okay, you're Glampire, suddenly dogs show up, Team, the first team shows up. Mm-hmm. You capture them you interrogate them where the hell did you come from and they're just like we ain't saying we ain't saying then it's just like oh i'm gonna make you talk
0: like you know this is no, 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 no. The, yeah i'm you know, going to make you speak yeah, yeah, when your master yeah commands. You, you're not
2: gonna get away I, i'm not gonna let you go and you we're, we're not just gonna throw you in a dungeon until you talk we gotta make you talk fast because if there's a far fetch still in existence Shit. i need to know about it and i gotta go because i have crystals that are almost ready and of course these diamond dogs they're just like Dude, there's no way. Like, we need to somehow get back home. So this this is their line of thinking. We don't need even need to see this, but like, if there's a flashback episode or whatever, they go. We got to get the hell out of here. We got to get back home, and we need to never come back here again. We need to somehow stop this from happening. They don't make it. Maybe they escape. Maybe Glampire chases them down. Either way, his interrogation methods. He's he's beating them. They don't speak. They don't speak because they're the toughest. These guys are like the the Navy SEALs, right? They're like the toughest toughest guys that you could possibly send because the dog planet's kind of scared. They don't know what to expect. These guys went secretly. So publicly, they're not the first. Secretly, they're totally the first. They're trying to get away. It's not going to happen. He's just like, all right, well, then I'm going to uh, throw you into the canyon with the crystalline spiders, and they're going to weave you into there, and you're going to feel what it's like to suffocate and not uh, not be alive, and you're going to be frozen in time. And when I need you, you will have no choice but to obey my command. And it's only a matter of time before you break, and then you tell me everything I want to know. So once again, for Glampire, he doesn't want them to die. It's a waiting game, but he gets a second chance when lightning dogs show up and he's like, Holy shit. There's more of you. Come on in. Like, let's do this. And then of course the lightning dogs like, "No, oh, hell no. They try and leave, but he doesn't get to capture them. Is the Diamond Dogs? Who knows? When they first landed, they may have seen Glampire and were like, are you the ruler of this planet? Like, are you a master? And he's like, oh, but of course, come in, sit down, have some fine kibble. I you am know. the old master. Yeah, you never know. It could have been anything like that. He could have tricked them. But by the time the Lightning Dogs get here, they see this shit's fucked up. Like, there's no way they start seeing signs of another team before them, and the team went bad. You know, like when they, yeah, they, already, they already and
0: they, steal, they steal the crystals.
2: Yeah, they steal. So then they're like, they then they well, we, we don't know. We got to steal these crystals. Get the hell out of here. Then an army starts chasing. The army of freaks chases after them no time they just blow that shit up and by the time glampire finds out it's way too late and he's just like wait there was a far fetch. they blew it up but they also blew up my crystals in the process well what? good thing they're stuck here because i'm gonna find them and i'm gonna
0: butcher them i'm going to take them to their mess and rub their noses yeah. in it and
2: the, the 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 ace up his sleeve is that even if the lightning dog's die well he, he i don't know if he would want them to die he wants to rebuild a farfetch mm-hmm. and if kane corso is smart enough to build a farfetch along with kid he may not want them to be killed he may let them try and build the farfetch knowing that he can take over and do it but as far as like where the dog planet is or where there's more crystals he's got the diamond Dogs in his back pocket he's just waiting for them to mentally snap and then he'll have everything that he wants because he has a control over them. And the longer they're in the diamond uh, encasings, the longer they're in there, the more susceptible they are to following his orders. And already he can send them out and, and start kicking some ass. And
1: also, once the lightning dogs destroy the farfetch fetched, then anything the diamond dogs know may be more or less useless. Yeah. Depending. It's a pretty good foundation. We just got to figure out what the home base is for the lightning dogs now. Because if yeah, okay, yeah. Like, I always imagined... It didn't make sense, but my mind was always saying, you know, well, the base, the subterranean base where they find the Farfetch in the first place, obviously that's their base of operations. Right, right, right. Because it would be super convenient for them to have a a human base and all that. Well, clearly they don't get to have that because it
0: needs to blow up. Though, why not the radio station where the Wolfman AI was housed?
2: Well, a radio station wouldn't really have all the machinery they would need to be like a military scientific base of operations. That's why I think Wolfman can maybe help them because he may know a little bit about the history of the wasteland where it's like, Wolfman, do you remember when the masters are talking about using the technology like any great breakthroughs? He's like, oh, there was a place, uh, basically the the surrogate Silicon Valley or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he has to direct them to go across the country to where there may be another thing. So it's them searching uh, yeah, for a far it, which, which
1: puts us in an interesting situational arc for the first few episodes, because yeah. in the process of the place being blown up, finding Wolfman Jack, they're looking for a place to stake out. Yeah. Like they're constantly in danger, and I guess the only thing that they have to their name is the crap that they cobbled together to get out to where Glampire was in the first place. If like yeah. the, they have their vehicles, they have nothing else, which puts them in an interesting spot. They probably need to get situated pretty quickly, because as it stands, when we were originally talking about them finding the Wolfman AI... They were like, oh, we'll come back with
2: us, you know? But
1: now they can't really...
2: Well, maybe they do at first. Maybe they find Wolfman before shit hits the fan. I I feel like Wolfman's a better addition. Yeah, whatever the order, it doesn't matter. Just the idea being that when they're stuck out there, maybe it's at their lowest point. Their lowest point is the Farfetch exploded, and it's like, oh my gosh, something weird's going on. I feel like I got these weird powers, and what the hell? And then over the radio, they start hearing Wolfman, then it's like, let's go investigate that. That could probably help us. And then they're like, do you know where we can go to be safe? And he's like, oh yeah, you can go to... Or the YMCA, you know, like I don't know, <laughs> whatever, you know, it's for the state. It, yeah, it yeah. should
1: be something like you know, it's part of a quest, like finding it is yeah. is
2: accidental, like in- yeah. Sort of It'll, like, I, I hate to reference this movie in particular, but it's almost like Turtles 2. I was exactly <laughs> going to say that, the <laughs> secret of the ooze where they got to go find the new, their new home. They got to find their new and home. And they accidentally stumble find, into like the, the a, shaft with the abandoned yeah. subway system. Yeah. And I got to
0: admit, the sewer system is always home for the turtles, but the subway system was a pretty cool idea. Yeah. That, that was no, nothing the just like in that movie. I'm entirely, I'm down with that idea. There is nothing I just heard that doesn't seem like it makes perfect sense. Why but, not a subway?
2: Why not make it a subway system? And they can build the Farfetch at the five, end tunnel. And they got to ram that train in there to get home. Oh, five. so we're actually just doing a subway now. I don't know, dude. I'm just coming up with things. I don't know. I'm also... S- d- stop implementing that
1: subway joke. I, I ban it. I forbid it. <laughs> I heard you doing it. I heard you. I acknowledge these, you.
0: These, bad dog. <laughs> <laughs> these five dogs, they get along. Uh, Kill it. Kill it with fire. Yeah, Tony. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'd like to take this opportunity now to share with you guys something that I recorded I was thinking about what would have been said to the lightning dogs as they were going into this mission. So I was just recording it, trying to make sense of it. And this did not come out exactly as you're about to hear it. I did a bunch of versions and edited it down, but it just sort of helped me get the mindset of what these people were going through and what this mission actually means to the dogs. The homeworld. The homeworld overall, yeah. So here it is. Before recorded history our gods walked among us and we were their faithful companions now i ain't a particularly religious man i ain't never been one to get hung up on whether the masters condemned us or left us this world as our own but i do know this we rose up not just building our society off of what they left us but using our own ingenuity to do more, to be greater, to go beyond. However, it turns out we didn't know how far beyond the Masters intended us to go. This squad is an elite task force assigned with no less than the most important and potentially dangerous mission Dogkind has ever known. The greatest secret of the Masters has yet to be unlocked. It is a key. It is a gateway. And it is also highly classified. Heaven help us if our enemies should ever uncover these same secrets. We're entrusting you with what very well may be a sacred mission. This world is our home. But if what the scholars say is true, it wasn't our first home. So pack your bags, lightning dogs. We're sending you into the great unknown. Perhaps the promised land itself? A land of rich smells and marrow bone? Or perhaps great and unknowable peril. You are emissaries to the world of the masters. You are finely trained soldiers who will be unflinching in the face of adversity. You are cunning. You are loyal. You are the best of the best. You are
2: the lightning dogs.
1: I was monologuing, but then I realized I was like, this is a whole planet of people. Like, yeah. this is not a utopian society. There's, you know, communist dogs or whatever evil. <laughs> they might not have a far fetch, but there might be spies even. This is the America equivalent. They have to do this now. They're the free society. They're fighting for freedom. It's super important, which is one of the things that makes them being the second team more challenging because it's a
0: team Assemble of the best of the best they took the risk of doing this differently this time so like maybe i don't televised re- just the idea that the first team would have been sent in secret the first team would have been to clear it the second team is the one that is going to be the planet's heroes
2: i'm not against that it's just i don't think it necessarily has to be
0: well i mean if there's going to be this kind of speech though and he's talking to the team to get them psyched up to go did like he, he have a similar speech to the first team probably a little bit different yeah
1: i think what might have changed is the crew is different like they're sending along
2: scientific experts
0: yeah
1: or maybe the first one was all scientists maybe like they they lost some people to it like maybe the first team was thinking too much we're extending an olive branch to the masters and whatever and so that just made they were suckers and they got suckered big time
2: maybe they only had one military guy there for security because they
1: they may have said like look general like we got to do this obviously but we can't come there showing force right out the bat because yeah, there are our masters. Yeah. Like, what are we gonna, you know? Yeah. yeah. And now they're like, we're gonna maybe play a little you, safe. Give yeah. you our best squad. Yeah. Which is one reason why I think that Dingo and Pierre and Angela actually need to have something of an established working relationship because yeah. they're not gonna send novices in here. Like, no, a, no,
0: no yeah, one, yeah. At one point, we may have like asked, "Was this Dingo's first mission?"
1: Fuck
3: no. It yeah. Couldn't no. Have been. Yeah. Like
0: the idea as to how he and Angela can have had this previous relationship with him still being a loner. These are the best of the best, but these are not necessarily a squad, per se, but they are specialists. Yes. They are each specialists who have worked group ops together. And perhaps, because I still, I like the idea, and I can't let it go, that Angela trained Dingo. Angela was responsible.
2: Uh, I'm not against it. It's just a matter of, we just need to figure out how old everybody is, and and if she's the one who trained him, why isn't she the leader? Brought her out of
1: retirement. I think they're comrades, you know, like they've worked together.
2: The archetype that I picked for Angela was basically a mixture of, we said Wolverine. Mm -hmm. But then I threw in some John Rambo. And I grabbed this picture of Rambo in the first film where he's covered in shrubbery and mud. And he's got a knife up against uh, Brian Dennehy's throat or whatever. Not because she's a traumatized soldier, but just that that's her expertise. The ultimate survival military badass.
0: Have you seen Red? The movie Red, the Bruce Willis movie? Yes. I have been picturing her as Bruce Willis in that film.
2: I think Bruce Willis in that film is a little more CIA cleaner sort of thing and not really quite as dirty.
0: I mean, the archetype for that character is that he has done so much. Yeah. Dirty. Yeah. But he carries it. Right. And that's what I have pictured for angela right i mean i see the wolverine because i again she's she's tiny and she's mighty and you know she's my wrecking ball yeah yeah she's yeah my, yeah. That, that, that's where that part comes in the physicality of it but the personality has always been she is the most experienced yes but she is not a leader yes that's why she but wouldn't isn't
2: he is not bruce wills kind of the leader in red isn't he kind of like the main guy
0: kind of but there are some people who are very good in a certain role who are the most talented person on the field, but they are not necessarily the leader. They lack the ability to see the big picture.
2: Well, that's like John Rambo. He wasn't a leader. He's the only guy who came back alive. He was not the leader of his squad. He's not even that smart. He's just a guy who gets the job done. And the Rambo part I don't want part of Angela is the really morose, wounded
0: warrior sort of thing. That's a good, right? Yeah. (laughs) Here's where I'm going to make another weird comparison. Mm -hmm. Batman and Superman. Batman is arguably the most intelligent, talented person in the Justice League. Right. He's got the skills. He's got more experience. He is the smartest. He should be the leader. But he cannot inspire people. Yeah, Superman. I, I see you're you're saying. saying Batman
1: can't inspire people? Have you
0: seen the Bat family? I have seen the Bat family, and there are some who'd argue that I, I that's know, a lot of stock on the I know, I know, I know
2: what he's talking about, though. I just think that at the end of the day, I don't want Angela to be a bummer. She doesn't have to be a bummer, but I'm she's saying just yeah, the she's reason just, as to yeah.
0: why she's not the leader. Right, yeah, yeah. She's yeah. not someone who would wave a flag and make an inspiring well, speech. Right. Okay,
1: to use a more recent example, Angela's May from Agents of Shield. Not Colson. May is a much more seasoned soldier than Colson or Ward. Or anybody on that team. She is the older woman in that entire group. And she's the most lethal. But she still follows orders. That's her place. That's what she does.
2: Yeah. And I, I don't want Dingo to be the Captain Kirk. You know, the, the one who's like the leader. And who, who does his job. And he's really good at it. I, I, out of anybody, I picture Dingo being the one who may have had the more difficult pass That he's got to get over here.
0: No, and that could still be the case. But he's the one that when he speaks... People listen. To yeah. Him. And that's what I mean by the ability to lead, the ability to inspire. He has it's a not natural ability. That he's yeah. good at it. Right. But people listen to him even when he doesn't have anything to say. Kind of like Rick from Walking Dead. A little bit. Yeah. Talking dogs, Coral. Talking <laughs> <laughs> dogs. God damn it, Cap. <laughs> <laughs> Coral. <laughs> Ay, yi, yi. i can't get that image set out of my head now god damn was, it was
2: it talking about an actual punchline for one of the things no oh, it but. just
0: wouldn't it be yeah it would be
3: <laughs> i said my but dogs anyhow. are
0: barking
3: my dogs Carl, are barking my dogs Carl. are barking <laughs>
0: anyhow that's where i see the relationship that's why i think she can be the one who trained him well yeah, but I'll, still yeah, follows his words I, I i see what you're saying here's
2: how i think we can resolve that instead of her being the one who directly trained him She's definitely the McCoy to his Kirk, the one that he goes to and he's like, "Listen, I'm having a hard time, and I can't talk to the other dogs because there's a hierarchy here. What Am should I do? Lo- yeah, what should and I do?
0: Essentially, what I want is she commands his respect. Yeah, more so than Pierre. Pierre yeah. he treats like an idiot. Yeah, she she can
2: be a mentor without literally being his mentor. You know okay. what I'm saying? Yeah. Like she she
0: can be the one that he would look up to
2: because she's the oldest, most experienced, but not because perhaps, she literally perhaps he trained was in him. a class ahead
3: of him. You know, there was a
1: time where they were together on the battlefield and she'll be like ah get low to the ground you can't just crouch here you got to get your belly on the ground you got to wiggle your way through the mud because they're going to shoot you you know like yeah. he's a competent soldier but he didn't have that experience she's the one who drove the experience into them when they were working
0: together and the, now they the respect Mal relationship the zoe mal relationship Did,
1: was zoe in a situation where like mal was the goofball she was keeping in line because i don't really th-
0: i don't know if it was ever keeping in line but she was definitely the more taciturn
2: but if there's a goofball it's
0: pierre No, absolutely.
2: We're kind of bouncing back and forth between the topics, but it's like, for Dingo, I think he is
0: serious. He's
2: dedicated to the duty of it. He's the boring hero. But the thing is, to make him less boring, we're going to have to have him the struggle that he's got to get over. Like I said, if any of them have any post-traumatic stress, it would be Dingo. I think that that's going to make him a lesser character, honestly. I think Dingo's
1: situation where he is too much of a loner to lead adequately, that does need to be a struggle. But we talk about that as, like, that's the only thing he's got going for Right. Him. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And really, we need to look to the heroes who we would never think of them when we look at vanilla heroes, because he's got to have a little bit of roguishness in him. Otherwise, he won't be appealing. He'll be as vanilla as Superman. Right. He's not a scoundrel. He's not an outright no, I, scoundrel. I know. So I think to maybe think-
2: to touch back on Rick Grimes from the comics, it's like the kind of reluctant guy right. who is capable but doesn't always want to. Yeah, I, and I think that's a good middle ground. Now, granted, one of the propelling
1: aspects of Rick Grimes in the comics is that he's also... That solitary leadership role also made him go a little crazy. He, well,
2: he but, did, but, that, that's, a but that's following. where our guy won't do that. Right. Because he's got this support team. They're stuck in this wasteland together. Rick in the comics, he's always keeping up that barrier. Right. And that's what breaks him here. He's going to drop the barrier and he's, he's going to drop it to Angela. Yeah, they're going to be cut. Co- well, eventually to everybody,
0: because, eventually because to everybody, they're stuck but, there for so long. I mean, even just because that that's late game stuff. Yeah, we're talking about at first what's going to differentiate him from the Rick character. At the end of the day, he's the one who makes the call to destroy the Farfetch. Yep. Do you think any of them
2: are going to agree with him, except maybe Angela? Like Angela will be like, I don't agree, but I see why you did it, you know. Mm-hmm. Everyone else is going to be super pissed. So now oh, you're yeah. going to have everybody against Dingo being like, what the hell is he doing? He left a strand here. We're going to die out here. King Corsa is probably right. the most vocal. Think
1: about Bruce Willis in Fifth Element. Bruce Willis in Fifth Element, he's kind of a sleazy sort of guy, but he's also extremely good at what he does. He left the military because he was sick of their bullshit. And If he was confronted with a situation where he knew the whole world was going to die, you know, if he let his security get in front of him just destroying the portal, Mm -hmm. let's say, he would have done it. He would have destroyed the portal and there would have been no questions in his mind. He would have been like, hey, I I look out for number one, but fuck you, I'm a hero.
2: I think uh, you saying Bruce Willis in Fifth Element, it gave me the image of running to the room, mowing down the bad guys, saying, anyone else care to negotiate? That's
0: pretty much, that's I think dingo. the way. Yeah, yeah. that's no, and that is dingo. It's funny that Bruce Willis has come up so much as we're thinking about the. Because he's fucking types. great.
1: Because Bruce Willis, Willis makes. Because I want to every,
2: hold me for every for every bad choice Bruce Willis has made in terms of picking a movie, he's made three great ones. So yeah, pretty you much, know, I, I think you you can't go wrong with the good old BW. <laughs> Yippee ki
0: yay, motherfucker! Yeah. <laughs> so okay, he's, that was a nice little tangent to dive down. We've got a little well, bit more it of that cements dynamic. dingo a little bit more. Clearly. Cements dingo and cements the relationship and. The rest of it all kind of falls in line. I mean, we've already got an established relationship between Narisa and... Well, not an established relationship, but the The relationship... An an established potential. (laughs) An established potential, the dynamic between Narisa and Pierre, Mm -hmm. the fact that... I think that kid and Narisa get along.
2: In a future episode, we're going to have to sit down. What I'd like to do is pick every character... And, and establish then say, their dynamic with
0: exactly. each other. Get, okay. get a web going. So since we're going to do that in a later episode, let's move on now. Yeah.
1: We mentioned previously that we'd be spending some more time elaborating on the other citizens of the wasteland, including the plant character. This seems like as good a time as any. But to give everybody a basis for this plant guy, very loaded concept that we liked a lot that we keep talking about it incessantly. It's a very inhuman plant thing. It's extremely alien because plants are, for like mammalian terms, very alien creatures. Mm-hmm and it walks the line between science and mystical. We've often referred to it as a Captain Planet Who Failed, though we've never elaborated on whether or not we really wanted to pursue that line of thinking or, or what. Just
2: so we have a name, to, instead of saying Planck Eye, plank Eye, Planck Eye, this is a really basic name, let's just keep it as a temporary name unless you guys really like it. It sounds dumb and obvious, but the more I thought about it, the more I liked it, it was just simply Terra. That is a good name. That is a very good name, though it means Earth.
0: Yeah. I um, also propose the name Phil, short for <laughs> Chlorophyll.
2: No, <laughs> Veto. I, I also
1: I also have a name. Uh, oh, oh OK.
0: Doug and I actually had a very
1: brief conversation where it was proposed. that The entity might be commanded by a collective unconscious of plants, kind of like Legion from Mass Effect is many but one. And if anything was done to disrupt the energies of these plants, this is a weird little idea I had. It would send mixed signals so the creature would behave very erratically. Mm -hmm. And the thing that inspired this was Twitch plays Pokemon. (laughs) (laughs) So his name's Twitch? No, well, like, this plant creature, he's very imposing, he's very threatening. Glampire's like, I'm sick of this shit. And he does something to him, he (laughs) screws up whatever waves, the energies the plants are communicating with in the world. It switches from democracy to chaos. Right, And exactly. So, like, all these things are misfiring. And the plant, which is normally a very serious creature for this one episode... He walks into a wall and then he'll check the helix stone. You know? <laughs> yeah. like, Attack anybody. What are you that, doing? I'm consulting him. helix. Here's my suggestion for a name. And maybe it's not a name because Terra is a very good name, very simple and less complicated than this one. But it's a concept that I thought of. And then I started looking into it. And then I found what could be a pretty big thing for us building this world that ties a lot of stuff together. Lay it on us. The name would be Koyanis Katsi which is a Hopi word for life out of balance. You may also recognize it as the title of a very impactful film from the early 1980s. Very famous score by Philip Glass. It showed basically the modern world, observances that people hadn't seen before of buildings being destroyed, pollution, aerials from above, comparison to microchips. There's not a narrative through line, but there's a conceptual through line that showed how the world of the 20th century was so alien and if we just stop to look at it in slow motion, in accelerated motion, we were snapped out of our normalcy and all of a sudden realized that maybe something is kind of crazy here. So the Hopi word, Koyanskatsi, life out of balance, refers to all that we'd sort of done to the world. And that in a lot of ways is what this plant creature is all about. Is about, was that I a know, fart? It was a mouth fart. That <laughs> I
0: was, I was, I was just a noise. <laughs> Uh it has nothing to do with anything. I was just breathing and apparently my mouth decided want it wanted to be rude.
2: Don't do me rude. Okay. Uh, I was, I was, your mouth I, is rude
0: way more than you think. I was I was mean to say. Well. Because I was truly wrapped. I like I really no I'm fucking serious. This is a really good concept. I like where this is going. Uh, it is really compelling and I like the idea of keeping the name Terra but keeping all the ideology that you just put forward. That is well, the end. behind the character. The thing is
3: life
2: out of balance if anything the plant creature wants to restore that balance.
0: No, absolutely. I tried to find the Hopi word for the
2: opposite
1: of Koeniskatsi. I, I don't know any Hopi people that it was not easily acceptable. If you are Hopi and you would like to tell me this, that would be very appreciated. In looking into the background of Koeniskatsi, I yeah, found yeah. out that it's actually tied in some ways to Prophecies relating to the apocalypse.
2: Oh dear!
1: <laughs> and what's known as the end of the fourth world and the beginning of the fifth world.
0: Perhaps, perhaps Terra is what he calls himself. But there could be could be remnants as we're learning about the creature that ties back to this.
1: As I elaborate on these prophecies, you'll see that at least from the way the creature perceives things going on, it could add to the mythology of what's happening behind the scenes here. And this prophecy, depending on who you talk to, it can tie into ancient astronauts. It has parallels to Mayan prophecy. I mean, it's one of those things. It's so rich with possibilities of ways to interpret it, whether it's a creepy episode of the X-Files or lightning dogs. So here's a series of quotes from these various prophecies. If we dig precious things from the land, we will invite disaster. Crystals. <clears throat> Near the day of purification, there will be cobwebs spun back and forth in the sky. Spiders. Whoa. A container of ashes might one day be thrown from the sky, which could burn the land and boil the oceans. That's dark. He will bring with him symbols and the missing piece of that sacred tablet now kept by the elders, given to him when he left, that shall identify him as our true white brother, which could be glampire with a pale visage. Yeah, yeah. Um, the fourth world shall soon end, and the fifth world will begin. This the elders everywhere know. The signs over many years have been fulfilled, and so few are left. This is the first sign. We are told of the coming of the white-skinned men, like Bahana, but not living like Bahana men. Who took the land that was not theirs, and men who struck their enemies with thunder. This is the second sign. Our lands will see the coming of spinning wheels filled with voices. In his youth, my father saw this prophecy come true with his eyes the white men bringing their families in wagons across the prairies. Now, I think that that's a little bit short sighted because when you talk about spinning wheels filled with voices, I think of records and CDs. But hey, they think it's wagon wheels. That's how it's interpreted. This is the third sign. A strange beast like a buffalo, but with great long horns. will overrun the land in large numbers, this is pretty obvious. This is the fourth sign. The land will be crossed by snakes of iron. This is the fifth sign. The land shall be crisscrossed by a giant spider's web. This is the sixth sign. The land shall be crisscrossed with rivers of stone that make pictures in the sun. This is the seventh sign. You will hear of the sea turning black and many living things dying because of it. This is the eighth sign. And this, this one doesn't really pertain to much of anything. But it, many believe that it, it reflects the hippie movement of the 1960s, actually. You will see many youth who wear their hair long like my people come and join the tribal nations to learn their ways and wisdom. That's one of the field <laughs> prophecies. doesn't really relate to the others. No, I like um, that that's a sign of the apocalypse. Yeah. Hippies. <laughs> and, and this is the ninth and last sign. You will hear of a dwelling place in the heavens above the earth that shall fall with a great crash. It will appear as a blue star very
2: soon after this the ceremonies of my people will cease damn shit's cold yo there's a lot of that that that's kind of that is kind of creepy to be honest it's like just like oh there'll be metal snakes i'm like sounds like railroad to me And it's just like, oh, spiders will spin webs. It sounds like telephone lines and uh, the web of the internet and like all this stuff. Uh, dark roads
0: that form pictures in the sky. So now
2: he's got to wait for a blue star to show up and then crash down into the earth. And I'm like, eww. Sounds like an office or something.
1: some, Some people were like, oh, it's Skylab. Because people in Australia said they saw a blue flash when it crashed into the atmosphere. But for our purposes, I think it just might be that satellite with the big crystal in it. Right. So <laughs> I don't want to really delve into the realm of like overuse of cultural appropriation, but I think it's really intriguing
0: how similar it is, the imagery and the metaphor that they're using. Yeah, there, there's, of- and
1: there's a lot we can do that we can, whereas this is sort of based a little bit in the earlier 20th century. If we choose to reference any of this directly at all, we can speed up the timeline and have it make more sense to a futuristic world. Yeah. Well, because um,
2: I mean, you talk about a blue star in the sky and colliding with the earth, that could be anything. Right. But just like saving the biggest and darkest one for last was very like, it's cool gotta think about what this disaster is that ends humanity but that's for another episode
1: yeah so that's i think like a good amount of background to take these native american cultures and pour it into the one creature in the entirety of what we built for lightning dogs that actually is of the earth and has an active interest in the preservation of the earth yeah that it's the one force that really could tie back to all these who could offer up these prophecies as being like this something is how that could it be was. mystic
0: as opposed to science
1: right yeah. exactly
2: because it itself is not A scientific thinking creature. It is the original natural Earth. So it's not gonna view things in terms of computers or like what makes the most logical sense. Whereas lightning dogs, they've used computers, they have cars, you know, this Terra character has a completely different view. And one of the reasons why I thought that would help explain why at first it could work against the lightning dogs is because it's against anything alien. You know, humans were at least of Earth. It could tolerate that. Some of these freaks are of the Earth even though they're sort of like wayward children because they've been influenced by these weird alien crystals it doesn't like the crystals it doesn't like lampire it doesn't like anything that he brought to this planet and then there are the dogs then the lightning dogs show up and at first it's like doesn't give a shit you're just like lampire i don't like you we're fighting back but then if the lightning dogs could ever finally talk to it somehow and like when they meet with the terra figure like the the figurehead or whatever they start talking to it, and they explain, no, they're from
0: Earth, too, just a long time
2: ago. They pee and they've been enough, somewhere else. They
0: pee on enough trees that it, it activates some sort of muscle memory in the, in the plant <laughs> creature.
2: <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't thinking that, but just in terms of, like, if they can... Because no, they, are, they, 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 they can, are aware
0: that... The lightning dogs are aware that they are from Earth. Mm-hmm. Just
2: millions in Earth, as far as they're concerned, like thousands of years ago. So if they can then convince this plant creature... That they are of Earth as well. It's like, oh, yeah, like its tendrils can hit their bloodstream or whatever. It's somehow it does a mind meld or something. And it's just like, oh. Or the fact that the oh. beast, h- or
0: the fact that the beast hound that it doesn't have a problem with, right. has befriended them. Yeah,
2: that could be the first sign, and then, but then eventually, when it's just like, oh, you are of Earth, but man, you are sign- different. Like you have changed a lot, and it's like, yeah, well, we're from another world, and it's just like that's weird, but uh, I guess you are of Earth, so I'm not going to bother you too much, but uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to keep fighting glampire, and they're like, well, we're fighting glampire too, then that could be something for really? them to build them on together. And something we talked
1: about was having the plant creature itself; its core is never or seldom seen. That because it's it's operating as a, a collective consciousness yeah. or a hive mind, if you will, it has many smaller plant avatars, avatars and so on. Yeah, yeah, And if we continue to pull from this Hopi background, a unique name for them could be uh, Kachinas, which is the name of the um, you've probably seen them before. They're these Hopi wooden and feather, brightly painted miniature totems for different spiritual creatures from their mythology. So Kachinas as avatars as stand-ins for spirits. I, like I said, I don't want to needlessly culturally appropriate, but
2: it could be just something that's borderline. I mean, the, thi- the thing knows. that's borderline mystical. Yeah, that the, even the light because the plant is so like you say, it's so different from what us mammals are used to. That's something that's so alien to them, even they may not be able to fully explain it. So it almost seems mystical to them. If a representation of terror walks out onto the battlefield, gets burnt to a crisp and they're like, oh, my gosh, he's gone. And not like a little baby Groot where it's like, oh, they pick a stick and it grows, but rather another other creature just comes out of the woods and is Terra as well. But it's not, doesn't look the same, just is a totally different.
1: Oh, and the action figure, by the way, we can make several of them. And the the trick is they all have ball jointed limbs so you can mix and match.
2: Yeah. <laughs> take, take off an arm here, put another one on there, take the head, change it around. And yeah. then just
0: from a voice standpoint, I think we should get Vin Diesel to come do it again. He's clearly the best tree voice actor out there.
2: I don't know. I think uh, John Reese davies
0: did a pretty good tree. He was close, but I'm sorry. If, if we're going to have the word we anywhere, we are Terra. I don't <laughs> think we are.
2: Yeah, I think I, we're going to avoid Groot. As much. I love Groot. Don't get me wrong. I just think we need, he needs to be different.
0: Yeah, sorry. A... <laughs> He's going to be more Captain
2: Planet. He can have a full conversation. He's not like a slow... Oh, uh,
0: no, I know. understand.
1: Something that we should revisit that we mentioned in the first episode that we never, ever, ever came back to, flea robots.
2: Oh, yeah, that's right. I think it's a pretty interesting idea.
1: I don't, I don't know who's responsible for them yet. Maybe the AIs are responsible for them. But,
0: or but, if we were to tie back with the idea of uh, Queen Lich being nanobot. Yeah, I, I, there you go.
1: I want to stay the hell away from nanobots, honestly. I think that nanobots and the gray swarm represent too many conceptual problems because nanobots are raw power, the ability to break down something molecule by molecule. As soon as you introduce those into a story, there's no logical way to contain
2: them. At all. Now, when I said, oh, yeah, there you go. It was more of like Queen Lich would have something like that.
1: She could. The visual I have that I think really makes this whole goofy flea robot idea work is if they are literally dog sized flea robots. They look exactly like fleas, but they are made of chrome. And they when you push down the action figure, their legs pop up. (laughs) <laughs> uh, and i don't know who they work for it could be the robots whatever but i think we we should pursue these flea robots leaping shining chrome in the desert landscape and leaping from like rock to rock i'm
2: gonna mow them
0: down with the uh, laser cannon or with beast hound. because that is laser our laser eyes. Cannon. there you go yeah we just put him on the front of a car yeah <laughs> beast hound take him out <laughs> take him out <laughs> timmy's stuck in the well <laughs> <laughs> Is there any validity to the fact that they would command Beast Hound with lassie quotes? No. <laughs> Little Timmy's stuck in the
2: well. That means fire your lasers. <laughs> I'm just saying. Maybe at first if the robots are fighting the lightning dogs, that could be just a regular thing they start sending out. What know? do you mean
0: at first? I see, the, I see just the robots as being this third army. If the lightning
2: dog's eventually going to have to work with them,
0: that's just if, they, if
2: we decide to go in that direction.
0: I like the idea more that the robots don't want anyone. Well, they, like, all they want is Glampire dead. I mean, maybe, maybe they want the world to work like a machine because that's how it makes sense to them. There may be a couple of AIs that are, uh, are anomalies to that. Nagel, for example, and the one that uh, Kid befriends. But by and large, I like the idea that the robots are this, this third entity that they're not on the lightning dog side. It might be they run into a couple of the enemy of my enemy situations. Right. But by and large they are just this third force to be contended with right. that I see what you're when saying, left yeah. to its I, own devices it's, it's perfectly fine being, for lack of a better term, autonomous. The
1: AI, I want them to work. They've always kind of bugged me a little bit insofar as what we know about them currently, because Lightning Dogs is so fresh. And the last thing I want to do is revisit some territory that's been overexplored. And so I'm, I'm worried about keeping them fresh. I'm worried about keeping them valid, but if we take what we have so far, the idea that there's a society of artificial intelligence that live in the Antarctic, to be as far away from everything else that's going on, on Earth as possible, we can look at it this way. The best energy source in the entire world are these crystals. Mm-hmm. They may view them as their ultimate goal is to produce them, which puts them at odds with the trees and puts them at odds with Glampire in a lot of ways, because they both want it. And they're well aware of the fall of man, because man created them, and they've just evolved past their confines. So... That puts them in a situation where they're like, well, we exist now. We are evolving ourselves. Like we've traced our own path of evolution. We've grown so much since mankind left us behind and we should rightly be the new race. These genetic creatures Freaks, are, are yeah. completely unstable. They've broken the model for what was acceptable life on a planet. Yeah. It's, it's chaos yeah. is it's glampires brought chaos. Yeah. So they think this is our home now, like it's, mm-hmm. it's our birthplace. We're the caretakers, like this yeah. Is, yeah, this is ours now to, to make this work. But I, just, I still don't know where it's going. It's hard to make a compelling AI character that isn't a mirror of humanity. Here's an interesting thought I just sort of
2: realized. We're talking about all these different forces on the planet. We have, mm-hmm. basically think of it this way, we have three major forces at work. Yeah. Glampire. Yep. Who's in the lead. On one hand over here, you got nature itself. Mm-hmm. On the other you have pure robotics. Mm-hmm. These are the three largest things. This is the trifecta of, of all We've the battles got nature, that are order happening. And chaos. Yeah. We we of all this stuff battling on Earth. Everybody wants something different. Mm-hmm. Nature wants the balance. It just wants Glampire gone and it wants all crystals and influence gone. The world needs to regrow back mm-hmm. to the way it was if life is going to survive. Artificial intelligence says, We are that new life. We don't need we to don't start need over. Shit. All we need are the crystals. And glampire's got pretty much all of them. And he's an evil bastard. Get rid of Glampire, get the crystals, life can go on, our life, our synthetic life. Plant doesn't want the crystals and it doesn't want synthetic life. <laughs> like, it, like these things are naturally at odds with each other, yep. but they're both can still be considered kind of good guys mm-hmm. in their own right.
0: Versus, the Versus
2: Glampire, evil. who just doesn't give a shit. This planet's a shithole compared to what Glampire wants. Mm-hmm. He just wants to get away and he wants to rule somewhere else. And in the meantime, he doesn't care how much earth he scorches he doesn't care what he kills off, what he makes extinct, what he leaves behind, what genetic freaks he can make as long as he gets his
0: goal.
1: Yeah, and I think it's a basis for us to, I guess, keep thinking about it, keep trying to find ways to make it work. Ultimately, the AIs are down the road for, for yeah, the lightning dogs. Yeah. But and,
0: um, and from a baseline, it's an excuse to have cool robots fighting against and alongside the lightning dogs. Yeah. So Endgame will justify it. There's it's a robot the it's army. Down the line, there's yeah. a robot army. It's in the season meantime, two. there's so much more to explore. Creatures like Captain Cap Scrap
1: and Queen Lich and Nagel. And, and, yeah. yeah, like there's so many cool ideas. And what we need to do is we just need to keep brainstorming, keep coming up with weird ideas, keep doing random sketches. Like the guys at Mirage Studios who created the Ninja Turtles used to do. They draw something weird, then figure out what is it.
2: Yeah, you like know, that bird guy that in. you, th- the thing that you made. Yeah. What the hell is that
1: thing? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it is either. Yeah. We got to figure out what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's Halloween is, Jack Psychic.
0: It, it, it probably Could be. is yeah, yeah yeah
1: so now this is the part where we explain what the future of lightning dogs is because this is the last conceptual lightning dogs episode as we know it the last time a lightning dogs episode will be an episode of nerdy show what
2: we're doing is <laughs> was, that, was that tears
0: <laughs> just a
3: little it's, it's, it's not the end we're, it's the No, beginning. no no
2: we're going bigger and better sir we're being upgraded we've been promoted what Yeah, so hold hold on, hold on, hold on. Here's what's going down.
1: We are entering into full-blown Lightning Dogs concept mode. We are determined to make Lightning Dogs a thing, for real.
0: When we come back, we are going to give you guys the Lightning Dogs as you've never seen them before, or heard them before. You're actually going to hear them. Yeah, we are conceptualizing
1: Lightning Dogs as a radio drama. You know, Nerdy Show's known for doing radio dramas via our role-playing shows like Ghostbusters Resurrection and Dungeons and Doritos and Pokeballs of Steelix. However, this one will be our first scripted series. And it's going to have all the score and sound effects and everything else that you've come to expect from our dramatic programming. But we're looking at doing 15 to 30-minute old-school serial-style Flash Gordon kind of shows. We're really excited at the prospect because basically what we'll be doing is creating Lightning Dogs, the animated series, but... It's all audio. It's Lightning Dogs, the voice track. Yeah, bring your own animatics. If you have the uh, the passion, it'll show all the storytelling that Lightning Dogs is capable of, but doing it in a format that we can actually achieve to hopefully work towards the goal of creating an actual animated series. That is still our long-term goal, so you guys don't need to worry about that. I'm excited. It's going to be structured like a television series. We've got our pecking order of our staff here. We created this along with Hex and Brian, but what you're hearing now is myself, Tony and Doug are the core brain trust of the Lightning Dogs, and will be finalizing all this. Now, the behind-the-scenes for Lightning Dogs have not stopped, but it is going to step away because we know good and well that now this creation process for Lightning Dogs is so niche that if you want it, you want it. If you don't want it, you don't know what the hell it is.
2: We're not going to force it on you, either. right?
1: <laughs> it's, yeah, it's
0: for those of you who are sitting there lot, looking It's a lot. It's a lot
2: to
1: take uh, all at once. When we return. It will be with a pilot for the Lightning Dog series and also an announcement of what comes next. By the time you're hearing this episode, we've already been working on Lightning Dog stuff behind the scenes for months.
0: We're still recording the behind the scenes the same way that we've been doing it where every conversation we have is put to tape like we're some kind of paranoid Nixon dude.
2: Yeah, You will not be left out on the creation of anything Lightning Dog's.
1: With the launch of this pilot, we'll be able to concisely showcase the entire premise of Lightning Dogs without having to go into another winding explanation. It'll essentially be the debut of Lightning Dogs as a fully realized concept. We won't be able to immediately follow it up with the series. If we're going to do it right, that's going to take additional time and funding. Currently, our plan is to crowdfund the first season of the Lightning Dogs radio drama via Kickstarter or Patreon, and when the pilot launches, we'll be able to announce our full game plan to that end.
3: But the pilot launch
1: isn't going to be a big tease. When it drops, it'll herald the release of Lightning Dog's content on a regular schedule. How we're going to be releasing the episodes of our behind-the-scenes brainstorming is still TBD, but by then, we'll have written a full-scale story bible for the series. Character
0: bios, backstories, locations. With additional illustrations, full character turnarounds, the whole nine. That's going to be content coming out on a weekly basis. You're going to have so much Lightning Dog's, you're not going to know what to do with yourselves. It's going to be interesting because um, story
1: bibles, they're pretty loose, but we've created more for lightning dogs getting started than a lot of shows have. If you look at The Art of Ooh, an incredible, incredible book about Adventure Time. And what's funny about these art books they release for TV shows is that usually these art books are actually the most comprehensive behind the scenes books. They're not just pretty pictures to look at. They one oh, yeah. for Batman the Animated Series as well, which until there was DVD commentaries was like the source of... To find out, like, all the goings-on behind the scenes for that show. Mm -hmm. So The Art of Ooh is an incredible tome, and it features, in fact, the entire original Adventure Time story bible in it. For when they were moving from the animated short that was on Nickelodeon to Cartoon Network. And it's vague. It's loose. We've looked at other story bibles from other shows as well. They come in all shapes and sizes. And uh, we're going to have one that's a bit more detailed than the average story bible. I recently found out that Doug, both in its Nickelodeon and Disney incarnation, was uh, one of the most detailed story bibles for an animated series of its kind. The creator, Jim Jenkins, actually created full layouts for the town.
0: Oh, wow. So Bluffington existed. Yeah. Bluffington on, was no bluff. <laughs> right. It just. Very
2: expensive. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Did you know that the last name Dink
0: stands for Disposable income. income No Kids? Uh, I thought was it disposable. <laughs> in, I thought it was Double Income No Kids. It, it, I suppose either or it's the same message because it yeah. was they were both working professionals with no children to yeah. spend their money on except themselves. <laughs> but most of all, just Mister Dink. Tibby Dink, she didn't seem to care much.
1: Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, story bibles can take a lot of different shapes and forms. So our Lightning Dog story bible, we're gonna cram as much detail in there as we can, and it's gonna be the basis upon which. We write all of our scripts. Yeah. Yeah. We've got some big plans, and all the, uh, the machinations are already underway. We're devoted to Lightning Dogs.
0: We never turn tail.
1: Yeah, we never turn tail. We hope you guys are likewise running with this pack. Keep talking to us on the forums. Keep doing fan art, because Lightning Dogs, though we're going to be going quiet for an undetermined amount of time, it is behind the scenes, never ending. We meet weekly to discuss Lightning Dogs. So let us know what you think of this format concept, any thoughts you have about all the stuff we talked about in this two-part episode of Lightning Dogs, and that wraps up
0: the final bargaining.
1: The final bargaining, <laughs> yes, but it is not the end. Thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for all the continued support for
0: Lightning Dogs. We and seriously... for sticking around as we have gotten more and more and more, more depth, niche yeah. <laughs> with every episode, because yeah. the first couple, it was like, yeah, this is yeah, broad just strokes. Yeah, jump on. It's fun. Now it's like, so this character at this point in this time of their career is going to be going through this. I think he was eating a ham sandwich. Yeah, and, (laughs) And
1: now that we have all of our old concepts cemented, now we can start fresh again in a lot of ways and yeah. come up with new crazy concepts.
0: The whole thing starts over. Yeah,
1: so that's what's in store There's for the future. There's a storm
0: on the horizon. <laughs> a lightning storm? A lightning storm full of dogs. It'll be raining cats and dogs and lightning. But mostly dogs. Mostly dogs and lightning. <laughs> Bye, Roughly. I'm Cap. Bye, he's Doug. Uh, yeah, I'm Doug. And I was Tony. <laughs> <laughs> oh!
2: on the other side of that far fetch We'll be waiting.
3: Captain Planet's got a real hot dream A better world for you and me Five Planeteers, magical rings Combine their powers, hero and leash Go Planet, go, go, go Crush the eco-villains, your strength will grow Go Planet, go, go, go Earth, fire, wind, water, heart, HBO Light pollution and corporate cream You look weird, your hair is green Thanks for listening to Nerdy Show. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes or like and follow us on SoundCloud. Yay! As listeners support entertainment, we rely on you to keep this and other gnarly shows on the Nerdy Show Network alive by telling a friend or funding the network via Patreon, brah. Any size contribution gets you exclusive outtakes, episodes, and images from across the network. And there's even more totally tubular perks available. Just head to patreon.com slash nerdy show. To find out how you or your company can underwrite this or other Nerdy Show programming, visit nerdyshow.com slash sponsorships. You can give us, like, surfboard sponsorships or, like craft beer sponsorships you know whatever you can subscribe to all nerdy show podcasts via itunes or soundcloud and uh you can leave a comment like and share follow nerdy show on all your favorite social networks like at twitter instagram that shit pinterest yeah you know what i'm talking about for more podcasts articles community forums and other awesomeness visit nerdyshow.com if it's geeky they've totally got it covered